Welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast by Wales Online, brought to you by Gulliver's Sports Travel. I'm Ben James and tonight I'm joined by our two rugby writers, Simon Thomas and Andy Howe. Uh, we've just been at the Principality Stadium to watch Wales finish their autumn campaign with a close fort, 24-22 uh, win. It wasn't always close fort, was it? It was 21-3 at one point. What are your thoughts on the match, gents? Well, Wales won, but more importantly than anything, I wasn't the man whose phone went off in Warren Gatlin's press <laughs> conference. And then the gentleman answered the phone and got the death stare from Alan Wynne-Jones and a word from Mr Gatland, who was not too impressed. So, uh, all in all, quite a successful day, and what do you make of it? Successful uh, day from the point of view that Wales won the match, but yes. I thought it, was a, no, it, was a, it wasn't a great spectacle. There were loads of mistakes on uh, both teams, and uh, you know South, South Africa almost looked like that they were just it was the end of their year, and uh, it took them a while to get going and uh, shape up. Uh, you know, I used to really look forward to the, the, those matches in the uh, old days. There was a bit of novelty value, but now they play each other so often. It seemed to me that it got through to the uh, to the players a bit, you know, and uh, it didn't have um, didn't have the feel of a big test match against South no, Africa. No, in all seriousness, I mean, um, I was listening to Jeremy Guscott on the BBC coverage after the game, and he described it. I think that he used the right phrase as a second division match, and you can see yeah. what he meant really. I mean, if you look at both sides. For various reasons, injury, absentees, and availability, both teams were without probably half of their first choice sides, perhaps more. You know, uh, inevitably that that impacts upon the overall quality of the game. There, were, there was errors from both sides, um, and the question is who's who's taken most out of that game today? Um, South Africa. It's been a tough year for them. Uh, they obviously had some tough results in the, in the rugby championship. A heavy defeat to Ireland seemed to sort of recover a little bit with the wins over Ireland and uh, uh, over Italy rather and France. But now they've ended their year with a you know a defeat. Um, as for Wales, um, I suppose when if we look back to what we talked about when we did the first podcast at the start of this campaign, we said we really what would be the bare essentials. And he said it have to be two wins. You know, expect the winning against Georgia and then get a big Southern scalp. They've done that. And we also said if at the same time five or six players could come through putting their hands up as players who are really sort of demanding to be part of the scene of the next couple of years going through to the World Cup. And you could probably say that as well. So overall, the campaign, I think you can see those two positive aspects. It wasn't a great game today, although there was, you know, very exciting start. Wales started very well. But yeah, it, 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 let's be honest, it, that wasn't either team's best team and it wasn't the best game, but Wales got the win they, they very much needed. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the uh, the, the Wales team of uh, today and how many people are actually missing, uh, you know, we did something a few days ago, the, the players were all absent and, you know, if if that team played the, the Wales team of the day, I'm sure it would have won by about 30 points. So uh, I think Wales were the uh, lack of depth in uh, Welsh rugby and the players were on the park today. You know, that was, uh, you've got to give them some credit. Uh, for, for 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 winning our match, um, you know it, what won it was the first eight minutes, wasn't it? Really getting into that lead, mm. and then uh, defending it. Though South Africa did uh, sneak ahead, albeit uh, briefly, and then Wales, you know, they kicked a penalty, didn't they? And then uh, I knew the game was up really for uh, South Africa when they sent on uh, Elton Jantys Jan- yeah. for uh, Andre Pollard because I'm not sure why old El- Elton, <clears throat> you know. He's not even the Elton John of rugby, is he? He's, uh, I'm not sure what, you know, he's, not, he's either on a call, but most of the time he's called in the day he was freezing. 
Yeah. Absolutely. I suppose the, the, the thing that got South Africa back into the match, because it was 21-3 at one point, wasn't it? It was the scrum. As we kind of, that, that's, let's, let's be honest, that if we talked before the game, the one area that was the biggest concern was going to be the scrum. And uh, a breakdown. Um, but the scrum, if you look at the, 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 the Samson Lee's missed the whole autumn and, and sadly with his Achilles problem. Thomas Francis had to go back to uh, uh, back to Exeter. Dylan Lewis, who's a good prospect, was on the summer tour. He's injured at the moment, not available. So we ended up with, with, with Scott Andrews, you know, who's obviously been in and out of the World Squad over the years, uh, starting, and then Roger Jones on the bench. And, you know, let's, let's be honest, like, you know, Scott's always been very good around the field, carrying the ball, did it again today, but there's always been a bit of a weakness with the scrimmaging. Up against a country that likes the scrimmage, it was going to be a tough test. And um, I think uh, Stephen uh, Kitsoff, you know, would have uh, felt all his Christmases came at once today because he did have a really strong game against um, Scott Andrews, who did struggle in the scrum. I think we we lost a couple of penalties there. So that that was always always tough. That shows the respective strengths of uh, of both countries because uh, uh, South Africa were down to actually their second choice uh, props because of injuries. Beast wasn't there, was he? Beast, uh, yeah. And... uh, but you know they had to say the problem they um, at the scrum. If I'd been a uh, South African, their coach, I would be entirely negative, and I would have told them go on our pitch and just drop the ball forward and dive on it, forcing scrums and see if Wales could get it. Because yeah. because they get out of jail card today with scrum penalty, kick for the corner, whatever, kick put Wales under pressure and then driving line out. I mean, I must admit, when they did take the lead, I think it was 22-21 they went ahead. You know, they were getting a succession of penalties. And as I say, it was quite a pragmatic approach. Scrum, we'll get a penalty from that. We'll kick that penalty to the corner, we'll drive that. And they got in the lead, and he thought it was just going to be tricky for Wales to get back. But in fairness, that was what I was quite impressed with. Wales Wales did well in that. They they used the bench quite astutely. I think people came off the bench made a difference. Elliot D looks like he's uh, got... He's got a lot of potential about him. Um, obviously, we know about Reese Webb, and he, he helps solidify things. What, Dan Lidia came on, brought defensive strength. The one that really stood out for me was Wyn Jones. He's had, he's been a big, big plus from this autumn. He had a, a crucial scrum penalty against Georgia when they were, Wales were under the cosh. And today, when Wales had got in front, he pulled off two absolutely crucial turnovers deep in Welsh territory, one over the ball, ripping it out the hands of a guy on the floor, and the other one, another rip higher up. And it was outstanding work from him and I think he really has pushed himself forward you know as a very serious member of the 23 and those are two key interventions from him yeah I thought Reese Webb made a big uh, diff- impact off the bench as well yeah. working with Falatel they worked so closely uh, over the years they two Wales as uh, top players and Falatel isn't he it's not, it's not many number eights who can get a ball uh, away uh, uh, better than him when he under pressure with a retreating uh, scrum. I guess he's at a master of the art because Wales have been going uh, engaging uh, reverse for a number of years. But uh, they were getting the ball out of there quickly. He was giving the ball to uh, Webb, who was finding a bit of space, and he was uh, pinging it back 30, 40 metres. So it was, uh, you know, they, they nursed Wales home, if you like. Yeah, I think Falato was also responsible for arguably the skill of the day. The pass that he pulled off to put. Um, Hadley Parks in for his second try, just outstanding awareness to give the the ball on the run in the tackle. That was a majestic piece of play for Falato. Admittedly, I think we looked at the replays and he probably yeah. was he was in front of the charge. Down it, the it wasn't an easy pickup as well. No, was it? it was a brilliant pickup and he kept his cool. We thought maybe he's going to hack it on. We kept his cool, carried on and just picked out uh, Hadley Parks, which is good because Bigger was screaming for <laughs> in the middle. But we we talked and then that, that was obviously the third Welsh try, wasn't it? And twenty-one yeah. three, we were, Wales were it, up it, at that it, stage. But if if you look at how Wales, we talked about and you, you talked about the eight minutes being crucial. 
it was interesting because Wales obviously looked to play very much a ball in hand uh, style of uh, rugby this this autumn. It didn't today. No, it was a different approach, and Gatlin said in the post-match press conference there was a desire to mix things up and a different kind of uh, style, kind of a horses for courses thing, you know, against different teams who play different ways. And clearly the strategy today had been to play an attacking kicking game and it worked very yeah, well. It, if you look at the first, I just couldn't say, if you look at the first try, it's a cross kick um, to Hallam Amos, which led to Park, yeah. uh, Scott Williams's try, uh, spotted maybe the South Africa a little bit narrow, played on that. And then the second try, South Africa, I thought, probably trying to counteract that, but with a winger going wide, which meant there was no one at home, chip over the top, Try for Parks. Very astute kicking strategy from bigger. Yeah, I think the in fairness the Welsh management, they'd probably looked at the the ten got a template from Ireland, beating the Springboks two weeks ago because uh, Ireland's kicking game destroyed the uh, Springboks that day. They targeted it was a different left wing, but they did targeted the left wing on that occasion Ireland and reaped the rewards and uh, uh, Wales did today. I thought that second try was uh, was clever before Wales because Ali Davis run to the blind side without the. Uh, Ball which took out the South Africa South Africa scrum half followed him, yeah. him yeah. and um, Christian one of the Daisy went to scrum half yeah Daisy passed the ball and of course what it meant then was there was no sweeper at home for uh, South Africa lovely chip over the top Parks got his try and I don't know where the South Africa fullback was in well, fact he, I don't know where he was most of the wide. day he got out well, wide because he was a shocker what you got to say about that try though was even though it was a good chip nice chase there was about four South Africans who could have got to that ball. There was one man who wanted that more than anybody. Yeah. Exactly. That was Mr. Parks. Yeah. It was a great pick-up by him as well. But yeah, but what's I his name? About Jesse Andre, Andreas Andreas Kutze, the full-back, didn't have the best day because obviously no. the third try came from his char- kick being charged down as well. Well, yeah. that guy was totally out of his depth, wasn't he? Indeed he was. <laughs> uh, the funny thing, coming into the match, he was seen as the conservative option at fullback. He's the nuts and bolts player, you know, probably our Lee Harpenny, who does the basics well. But the guy on the wing, uh, I've forgotten his Gallant. name now, Gallant, Gallant. He's, seen, he's seen as the as our sort of Liam Williams, the guy who can yeah. take South Africa I, forward. He was mixed bag because obviously he was the guy who came narrow for the first try and was exposed to the chip over the Hallen Amos. But he has got serious, serious gas. He showed that when he, um, in the foot race with Ali Davis for his try. And I think he, along with uh, Dylan Leeds, um, when Steph Evans broke away, they were both going scorching upfield. They, they got pace there. Um, I, I was particularly impressed um, by. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about him. First time I seen him live out in the rugby field. And that's Malcolm Marks, the South African. Okay, he's going to be a big, big star. He was certainly working for the common good, wasn't he? Is that a Marxian? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Carl rather than Groucho. <laughs> yes. And the other one, um, I, I, I want to make sure I get the pronunciation. I say Khaleesi. Yeah, he's a good for a number of years. Explain that six and seven works differently in South Africa. Yeah, it's six is the open side in uh, South Africa. They do, the do you like the look of him? He was a good player. Well, I've been watching him for a number of years. It's Ben Super Rugby. He's a really good player. Isn't he? He's one of the he, he uh, good athletes, isn't he? He is. Yes. Yeah, I was quite in- impressed with the lock who came off the bench as well. But it's, but it, what you found, I think, on both sides, you could argue this. Both sides are probably have five or six players, real quality players, internationally proven players, uh, and then obviously beneath that there were a number of players who've come in, perhaps aren't such regulars. So they were they were kind of in a similar so, situation. So, the sides. So you were saying then this was almost like a, a kind of an A international. Well, as I said, I go back to what Gus Scott said. Second division, it, it was closer. I mean, that's the kind of Wales team, which three or four weeks ago you'd be saying, oh, that looks more like the kind of side they'll play against Georgia. That's right. You know, and it, but then it's been a horrendous catalogue of injuries. I mean, I, I think if you look at it, Wales have lost about 12 players during the course of this campaign. Obviously, they were without the English players who couldn't be there. Oli Fallato was there. 
as well as Scott Andrews was on loan from the Blues to Bath. Mm. So inevitably, it means that both sides were depleted. So as I say, they ended up fairly even. What you've got really is Wales and South Africa now. There's not a huge amount between them, really, is there? Well, is it, well, well when you look at the uh, world order, isn't it? New Zealand are probably... Um, it's New Zealand, England and Ireland. Yep. And I think everyone else is a muchness. You know, I don't think Australia are, uh, are fantastic either. And okay, they got they got thrashed by Scotland last week. They'd have a bloke sent off in the first half. But uh, I think the rest of the world, there's not much of a gap between well, anyone. Well, anyone's capable of beating anyone, well, really. going to this weekend, South Africa were fifth and Wales were seventh. Now, I'd imagine Wales will have gone up a little bit in the points I think Wales are uh, we still four, four points behind them we were, yeah I think, I think Wales are still it's seven a, it's a big gap so you know. those are two you know. I don't put a lot of great store in those world rankings mind, but no, it does top three four they're irrelevant isn't it the next yeah. is all about the next game so, so I mean I think what we're saying really looking at the South African team as you've said not one of the great South African sides as last year they had to win Wales didn't they they had to win yeah, but with, a, but with the team Wales were putting out today, uh, it's still a decent win. I mean, if that was yeah, in Wales' yeah, first team, you would ex- I would expect Wales to beat South Africa. Did you expect Wales no. to win today? No, I never. I didn't. But I didn't because no. Wales had so many uh, was, out and we I, saw the struggles they've had against I just, My concern was that the set piece would be such an issue. Uh, but obviously, what as you said, Wales built the buffer, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. But then, as we say, what was good was having had that buffer eroded, falling behind, they still had the ability to dig deep and, and pull out the win. Yeah, I thought that when, was a big plus. I thought when South Africa, they did have a good spell in that match and they looked more dangerous than Wales doing that spell. Their, uh, their, their, their intensity, uh, intensity, their running, mm. uh, their three quarters strong. I thought that, that uh, the Creel try, I thought that was a lovely try. And very clever how he finished it, but he actually he aimed, he cut back in onto half penny, aimed and dipped his shoulder, and carried him over the uh, try line with him. The counter attack from uh, his chip through the, was uh, the counter attack from the yeah. the clearance. That was good combination by there. Uh, it was great counter attack by the winger Leeds, and then it was a lovely little kick by Creel, and the other guy finished. Yeah, yeah, he finished it off and he showed his uh, pace. I thought it was good. I thought they break. I thought they were better. Uh, the breakdown, Mark and Max was excellent. He reminded me totally of Bismarck Duplessis yes. at the uh, breakdown. As well. yeah, yeah, he's a he's a good player, uh, Dutrois, and um, and uh, obviously they had a bit of advantage at the uh, uh, scrum. But of course, as I said earlier, they made a fatal mistake of taking off uh, uh, Pollard, Andre Pollard, who I thought was pulling the strings quite well at number ten. He's a much better player than my old mate Chandy's. What I was thinking there was the when they got in front. They almost seem to think in their head, another penalty isn't enough. Let's get a try. Let's put this an eight-point lead. And that, that's why they brought on the antis, it seemed. And they did look to go wide. And to be fair, that's that's when Wales' defence really stood up and you saw Wynne Jones make those turnovers. I suppose they, perhaps... They were behind it. Wales had already taken yeah. it yeah. over when he I suppose it part of it was that, yes, the, the scrum was a huge area of strength and that led to the line-out tries. But what they'd actually found was that they, the two tries they'd scored were quite wide, weren't mm. they? Because there was the, the Pollard scored on the right-hand side and then Creel scored on the left. So perhaps they thought, well, Wales are looking vulnerable out there, so let's play a bit yeah. more. But I think it was a mis- misguided call by the well, coach. Well, he came on, didn't he? How many unforced errors did he make? Absolutely. Yeah, no, which uh, allowed Wales then to uh, kick yeah. him back 50 metres, did not it? We've talked about the South African team, and we put them to rise. Let's, let's talk about uh, the Welsh team a bit more. Uh, the man making his debut today. Uh, he's gone from docking sheep in New Zealand, as, as you wrote, to, uh, mm. to to scoring twice. Uh, his, well, his, his debut couldn't have gone much better, could it? He no, gets a brace really. of uh, tries, and uh, really didn't put a foot wrong, did he? He thought he uh, defended uh, well, he carried the ball up when he had to. Um, 
and he offers good leadership skills and he's quite vocal on the pitch isn't he yeah. so I thought uh, yeah I thought that was a satisfactory debut and it'll be interesting to see if he retains his uh, uh, place for the start of Six Nations against Scotland yeah it's um, he's the first Wales debutant to score two tries in his first test since um, George North did against also against South Africa 2010 here's one if you want who was the last debutant to score a hat-trick of tries for Wales Byron Haywood? No. Well, me, what's the year? I, I think, and I may be proved Is wrong here, I, thought, I think it's no, Alfie. I think it's Alfie it. against Japan. I thought that was his debut against Japan. Four tries again, didn't he? Again, That's see. Cool. I will have to look. But anyway, yeah, I, I, I was pleased for... Perhaps um, somebody out there can let Yes, they'll let us know. Sure. I was pleased <laughs> for Hadley Parks. I mean, I spoke to him um, on Thursday. You know, very amiable guy. He speaks really well. and He's a good story to tell, as you said. You know, three years ago, he'd been um, having a few visa issues and was waiting to get the exact date of his arrival. So he was working on the family farm in Hunterville, which is in the North Island of New Zealand. And he was there docking uh, lamb's tails. And there was no, no understanding at all. You know, when the date came that eventually arrived, just how significant that date would be. But then, three years to the day, he becomes eligible, and he actually becomes eligible for Wales to play by a matter of hours. But um, so, while um, myself and a number of people have questioned the the merits of the fourth autumn international, it was certainly a positive for Hadley Parks, and he grabbed his chance. And the thing that struck you straight away out there today, there was a lot of players around him. We've all played international rugby, but he was the bloke, especially when Bigger went off. Yeah. He was the one very vocal out there, telling people around him. And of course, it, what was good for him was that he ended up in a in, a, in an all Scarlets backline virtually, especially when Bigger went off. There were six of the seven backs were then Scarlets. So having uh, Scott Williams outside him was a big asset. But he it, it's he basically carried on doing what we've seen him do for the Scarlets for three years, which is making the right calls and just not making many mistakes. He knows he makes the right call about when to carry it up, the right call when to give the subtle pass, and also the right call when to put um, boot to ball, and he defended strongly. In other words, he's a typical New Zealander. Don't make mistakes. There we go. And I think at present, well, it depends how they want to play, doesn't it? This is what Gamma said can again. Can you see him working in a twelve thirteen with Owen Williams? Well, this is this is the unknown. Because to me, he he, he is that. Well, with Parks at thirteen, he, yeah, he's that. He's got that midfield brain. His preference is his, pre- his preference is twelve. He prefers playing there. Um, I think if you were edging, I don't know. It's interesting because Gatland, uh, when he was talking about Owen Williams last week, there was a lot of like, oh, this, this has got to improve. This has got to improve. What about Owen Williams playing ten? No, I think Big will play ten. Well, this is you know Graham Price has brought this issue up after the match is the great Graham Price, is that Wales, they're not near really to know what their midfield is, because Wales, they missed a trick really, they should have played bigger and Owen Williams against Georgia as well. So they only played against two toughest matches, against Australia and New Zealand, and you know, Wales played some pretty rugby, but they went sideways and all, uh, they did score a lovely try against New Zealand, but they didn't really create a lot. And uh, lack of tries has been a problem in 2017. Wales only scored 20 tries in 11 fixtures, which is just not good enough. Uh, it's down near the bottom of the international uh, pecking order of Six Nations and Rugby Championship. Uh, teams only Italy and France below us. And to give you an example, Scotland and Ireland, who should be our barometers, mm. have scored 41 tries and 45. In Ireland's case, England has scored 38. You know, we get, that just shows why Wales has been struggling and winning games is because we're not scoring enough tries yeah. uh, I'm not sure about midfield well Parks play 13 Scott Williams play 13 
Jonathan Davis is out, isn't he? I think so. Um, I'll tell you the other one. They will. They might. Go you know, back it's Priestland. There's Patchell. I tell you the other one. They might go back. They flirted with it before, and he keeps getting mentioned. This idea of North at thirteen. I, yeah, I, but has he got the hands for a passing game? I well, don't personally. Well, I don't think he has. And you, his defense can it, be found. It, it depends suspect. how you play, isn't it? If you play a ten-twelve. He yeah. then becomes the decoy runner. Yeah, but it depends. Option who, off Owen Williams or bigger, isn't it? Then you've got to decide who's going to be a 15. Is Alf yeah. Benny play enough of an attacking game to be your 15 there? Or, or do you play Liam Williams 15? Still or the other master who's really good at in the three quarters line from 15 is Alan Mamos. I, I think, um, touching finally on the centre pairing, I think looking at everything overall, against Scotland, first of the Six Nations game, I think I would still expect it to be bigger Parks and Scott Williams personally. I think that's how it's end. I think that's yeah. what they'll go for. Um, back three is very interesting because obviously you've got two players who weren't available um, for this weekend which, which is Liam Williams and George North now if they're fully fit you'd probably expect them to come into the back three uh, which then leaves you with just one space in that back three And that, if you look at the autumn overall the man who's come out with the most positives and the most pluses against his name in that back three area is Hallam Amos what I like about Hallam is that when he gets behind defences he doesn't panic he keeps his cool makes the right calls, look, gives the offload. I mean, if you, that, that, that first try for Scott Williams today was a classy example, wasn't it? Simon is joining the uh, Amos uh, fan club, which we already mm-hmm. occupy, Ben. I think he's well, a fine player. Know, you know. Whether he's a wing or a full-back, that's another issue. I think if you look at a back three of Hallam Amos, George North and Liam Williams... So, so, so you were saying how Halfpenny should be ditched? I like how, uh, Listen, Lee Halfpenny is a fantastic servant for Wales. Absolutely fantastic. But you so Solid as a rock. It? I just think if you are looking at the modern game, then what's the full, modern game? The game. full back. Oh, modern game. Full back. James. Is he never doing this in the nineteen eighties? If you look at the modern game, the full back is such a key attacking weapon, especially on the counter attack. It's a key, you've got key attacking weapon. My GBI was and playing. You, and you've got two players there in Hallam Amos and Liam Williams who could fulfil that role. I'm just saying, like if you're picking no. the, I'm saying if everyone's no. if everyone's fit and you're picking the, the back three, that's personally that's my it. view. Yeah, it's I, exciting. It's, it's well. exciting. Yeah, yeah. I'm not disagreeing with you. I wouldn't not say shares in Lee. I'm just what saying that if you wanted to play a ball in hand One thing I will say. Today, though, if Lee Halfpenny would be in South Africa and uh, uh, fall back today, yeah, Wales wouldn't have scored, probably wouldn't have scored from either of those kicks because he, he is he, defensively he's in gets in the right posi- in the right position and reads the game quite well. I think the thing with Lee, you know, he spent a, a number of years being an absolute rock solid presence as a kind of sweeping goalkeeper yeah. style fifteen, and also somebody who essentially when you got the ball anywhere sort of in his own half, the thought would be to kick. Now you see like, when he gets the ball, there's almost like Will's playing a slightly different way, and the, and the calculations what I must be supposed to be doing here, you know? Why um, didn't you put him on the wing? Why should George North be uh, deserve to be in the Wales team? Well, he's done what? You'd have to see. Well, I mean, what I would say about North, when, when I watched North at the start of this season, when he came back to fitness with Northampton, watched a couple of the games on television, watched him live once, I thought he was looking like more like yeah, the old George Yeah, but what North. about his international... I'm going to go back to... I'm going to go back, in fact, until 2014. His international performances have, for Wales have been very much hit and miss, yeah. and he has been a bit of a liability in defence and dealing with... Uh, uh, Cross kicks. Yeah, the other thing that's interesting here is the one person we haven't actually mentioned here is Steph Evans, who yeah. going into the autumn was the per- was probably the, one of the most talked about players, one of the, one of the players Absolutely. that the Welsh public has been looking forward to seeing play for Wales for so long. And he started really well with that try against Australia, but since then it hasn't really happened for no, him. Right, He's yeah. obviously had a few defensive issues. What do you mean, man? Well, everything wasn't right in this game against Australia. Um, I admire the, the lad's uh, tenacity and his uh, effort, and I think it's been a useful experiment 
uh, he deserved his place this autumn uh, but I think he has been uh, found out a bit uh, perhaps most alarmingly today he got in the clear and the South Africans caught in that quickly he even got a question of speed at international level uh, his defence uh, he's missed a lot of tackles and um, unfortunately as well you know the opposition have ragdolled him a bit he has been a little bit uh, lightweight at this uh, level and uh, I'd be very surprised if he has a part to play against in the six uh, in the six nations. I think if you look through um, the one area we perhaps haven't talked about there so much is the back five of the scrum. Um, Corey Hill, I thought it was, it was a pretty solid game today. You know, he worked they hard. always like him because of his yeah, calling and leadership did, skills. They, that was in particular what Gatlin talked about was the, the work he does at the line and the yeah. calling. Shingler had uh, quite a lively game. He was he's yeah, becoming was, the real go-to man in the line now. He was more it suited him a little bit more today. Navidi, arguably Wales' player of the campaign. Um, And it's interesting because you've obviously got the likes of um, Tipperick, Moriarty to come back in the equation. We're not quite sure when Sam Warburton's going to be playing again. He could be an extended break for him. Dan Lidget's on the bench. So there's going to be more options in that background. Now, if you look this weekend as well, Andy Ewart, the game, you watched Ollie Griffiths play for the Dragons. I hear he had an outstanding game. James Davis has just made his return, try scorer in return. Um, Ellis Jenkins is back in the month. So there's going to be a lot more back row options, aren't there? Sam Warburton, is he going to be available or not? I don't think he will, no. Yeah, Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they stick with Navidi at seven and six nations. However, I believe that Wales have got to need more power in the team if the guys are fit. And uh, I would, uh, I would have, um, I would have Moriarty at uh, six. I'm assuming Warburton's not fit. I'm a huge fan of Tip Richards, you know, so I would have him at seven. Falato at eight. And do you know what I would do? I would move Shingler to lock. I thought you said you would stick with Navidi yeah, at seven. No, I said I think Wales would probably stick with Navidi. Oh, sorry, yeah. but you yeah. would go, you would go Tipperick, Moriarty, Falato with Shingler in the second row. I would move Shingler up the lock. Yeah, because he has been Wales's preferred line-out option. This autumn, he has played lock a lot in the past, uh, albeit probably for the Lanethi uh, club team. He, you know, at uh, South Africa, for example, they brought on um, Majuzi from the uh, from the bench. He's a back rower, did well at lock. I think you know they may be able to get away with Shingler as a lock, and he's so athletic and offers uh, so much run of field. I think the key to beating Scotland will be trying to outpower him. Mm-hmm. So if you like, it's almost a case going back to uh, what we call Warren ball, but what Warren calls winning ball. The one disappointment for me coming out of the campaign, looking at that squad now, is that Seb Davis didn't get any time at lock. His only outing was a number eight, where he doesn't play there. I think he's been he's been such um, a positive thing player in the first couple of months of the season, real form player. Yeah, I'd like to have seen him get some time in the second row. In the yeah, that, that shows. I, I I I guess that they see Hill is a bit more developed than him. So he's ahead of him in the pack. Yeah, and no, I just think the Georgia yes. game would have been nice to see him yeah, in the yeah, second yeah, row. Yeah, but then they've they got limitations yeah, in number eight, don't yeah, they? Yeah, problems then, don't they, at number eight, so they're trying to blood someone else in that position. Yeah. 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 Um, it means quite a few questions, isn't there, but where's the selection for the Six Nations? Well, I think they're going to have a bigger pool yeah, yeah, yeah. of players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean with Navidi, they've got to decide, do they reward a bloke for his autumn performances, or do you just be utterly ruthless, which Gatlin normally is, and says I want my best man, or I think is my best man in the team. You know, if and that generally with uh, 
is if Sam Warburton's fit, he'd be in the team on either seven or six. I do think Ollie Griffiths is going to play a part in the Six Nations, though. I think you know he would have been in the squad had he not taken that cheap shot in Moscow. They like him. They like the the ability he has to bring dynamic carrying work over the ball as well. as well. And I think he's a he's a very fine prospect. It's, 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 and Elliot D. I tell you what, Gatlin keeps mentioning yeah, him. I think he you know he's going to play some parts as well. Absolutely. But these are the positives you've got now. Players we wondered could they do it? They've come in. Yes, they can do it. We've now got a, a bigger pool of players going into the Six Nations, which is a positive. Well, so. Let's let's get down to it. How, how, as a whole, do we rate the autumn? Let's give it a grade. I give it a either a six or a seven out of ten. I'll give it. Oh, I'll give it a five. I give it a six out of ten. Six out of ten mm. and a five out of ten. Five's a bit harsh, isn't it? You're a glass glass half empty kind of guy. Oh, I am today. Been a long autumn. Been a long autumn. Um, no, why? Why? I tell you why. I only give it a five. Is because is uh, Wales is a uh, okay. They did score three tries today, today. But Wales is a uh, attack has failed to function, and Wales are not scoring enough tries to trouble the best teams in international rugby. That's why I'm giving it a five. There's plenty of devil and effort and all, but they need to be a bit more creative. And well, break well, teams that, that, down. Comes, that comes down to this new game plan. Yeah, but sometimes how often you see Wales really yeah. seeing the new game plan. Let's be honest. Well, we tried. We tried, and we? we swung yeah. the ball across the park, and yeah. it's been pretty. And look how we ended times. up today. We went back yeah, to but, a different you know, style, against, didn't we? Uh, against uh, New Zealand. Yeah, against New Zealand. Against Wales New did bomb two good try scoring chances against New Zealand, all, which came off the work of the media. Two first phase tries, and they kept possession because that's the way to stop the All Blacks, supposedly. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's not just Wales. I mean, we saw it again today. We've talked about it a lot on here. Ben's been looking at it, researching over the last few years. And you know, again, the first two tries today were off um, first phase ball. It is probably the most. Well, you know, it is, it is the best. Phase, it is the best ball. Now the turnover ball is much less uh, prevalent. There's more space on the pitch, isn't there? The other thing Wales have got to improve as well, and you may you may like this word, is their bounce ability. Bounce back ability. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, we met that one. I think I was. Um, wasn't it, it? Ian Dowie? Oh, oh no, the Ian Dowie. I'm pretty sure yeah, it was. One of the worst football managers of all time. <laughs> uh, yeah, why I say that is that uh, I, I was talking to someone the other day who uh, who brought up a really good point. Not really a rugby man, but he did watch the All Blacks game, and I said, "What well, do you notice? What do you what, what do you spot in that game?" And what he said was, "Is there's a speed the All Blacks get off the floor." And uh, compared to Wales, he said Wales plays down on the floor far longer after making the tackle or whatever. All backs back up and back in the line. It's an interesting one because it's exactly what Reese Priestland said after Bath beat the Scarlets in the European Cup. He'd done the analysis on the Scarlets. He said the Scarlets are such a good team because they get off the floor so quickly. So they either fill the defensive line or the attacking line. And he said they either got overlapping defence or an overlapping attack. So that's something Wales have got to improve. Speed of recycling the ball and getting off the ground again, numbers back in the attack. So you, you're hopefully going to uh, um, outnumber the opposition and create overlaps. Yeah, the other thing when we've given a grade on it there, the other thing that's interesting to me now is where things look in terms of the Six Nations pecking order. I mean, France have had a pretty nightmarish autumn. They lost at home to South Africa, the South African side pretty much. And true with France, Japan, I think, have lost their last six matches. True with Japan, uh, Italy conceded 38 points at home. So, I mean, those two at the moment look to be the teams with the biggest problems. And if you look at the other four, um, Scotland, very positive autumn, pushed New Zealand very hard. 
you know, eight tries against Australia, extraordinary. This is the team, and then he score any tries. Ireland, big win against South Africa, preparing nicely, good squad. England, um, they, had a, they had a quite a quiet autumn, didn't they, in terms of the yeah, fixtures they were up against. Really rested, got their jobs, got, got the, won the big win against Australia. Um, and then Eve Wales. I mean, so it's going to be, Gatlin said today, I think it's going to be a really open, competitive uh, Six Nations. He also said he quite liked the fact that people were talking about the other teams. He said that'll suit us right down to the ground. Yeah, the only well. snag, it's a couple of problems for Wales. They've got to go to Ireland. And England. And they've got to go to England. Mm. Plus, the big match is the first game against Scotland. It's in Cardiff. That sets the tone for the tournament. Wales win that match. You know what they're liking. Suddenly get confidence. Can start rolling. Traditionally, though, they haven't been really quick starters they've started in that first match um lose that game and it could be a it could be you know it could be a, a try in six nations though they should beat france and italy in uh, in cardiff what you would say though is and i know the the current wales team at the principality is not the current england team at twickenham but scotland have are, they're not great travelers at the minute you know murrayfield is a fortress didn't, didn't he win in australia they did last that, summer. Yeah, yeah. but you remember, that, remember last year they put together. You know, they beat us at Murrayfield, yeah, they beat yeah. Ireland, went to Twickenham. Was it you know, fifty points? Yeah, but that was part. I think that was part of the learning process, wasn't it, of a team in development. You know, th- th- that'll be a really tough match for England if it's up in Murrayfield. Yeah. I tell you what, England. I tell you what, yeah, England. Cardiff, not Murrayfield. Yeah, England. England are famous in this championship because they got Ireland in. Uh, in um, a it's an absolutely fantastic start of the tournament because there's so much talk about Scotland over this autumn they're coming to Cardiff um, Wales will be stronger Scotland will be strong I think yeah you're right that's an absolutely pivotal game and it could be a cracker because it'd be interesting to see you know Scotland I mean, the way they want to play is very obvious it's, you know the way Townsend has played at Glasgow it's you know the pace and they were fantastic to watch against Australia so do Wales buy into that and play ball in hand rugby or do they try and negate it and play a much more pragmatic game pragmatic Back, the whole stylistic thing again, it down, isn't it? Isn't it? Well, if that's the case you probably don't go for a more playmaking 10-12 yards it's fascinating I'm, I'm 63 days to go and I'm already looking forward to it and I can't believe it are you good luck to you <laughs> <laughs> There we go, 63 days to go, Uh, but of course there is rugby in between that, and we will cover all of that, all the regional games, uh, starting with the European doubleheaders next week, and you can catch all that on Wales Online.